Welcome to episode one of the Monster Review Podcast. We take popular monster novels from years past and provide you with an exciting summary along with a drink pairing to enhance your potential reading experience. Remember it is always better to watch a trailer before you see a movie and it's always better to listen to a summary before buying a book. I am your host Sir William Addington. And this is Dracula by Bram Stoker. Dracula was written by Bram Stoker in 1897 that spawned hundreds of vampiric literature that largely shaped many of the myths and legends of what we think vampires are. It had such a profound impact that it was reported by some bullshit news website that there are over 5,000 vampires living in the United States. Conveniently there were very little to no reports of vampires before Bram Stoker dropped this beauty on us bunch of poses if you ask me. It is so weird that a book written just a few years before we discovered that there were different blood types comes out. I think there might be more to that somewhere. Anyways, I think we have all heard of vampires account Dracula in some shape or fashion. Hell, most of us were sick of vampires by the time 2010 rolled around between Twilight, Vampire Diaries, True Blood, and all the other ridiculous low-budget short movies sci-fi could pump out. But there has always been something about the Count that keeps drawing us back in. That insatiable desire for blood and erotic overtones that come along with being a vampire. Somehow Bram Stoker has had the world hooked for more than 100 years on this fascinating monster. Get ready for a summary of Dracula that changed the world of monsters as we know it. Sometime in the late 19th century, Jonathan Harker, a young English lawyer, is traveling to the castle Dracula, which is located in Transylvania, in order to finalize a transfer of real estate in England to Count Dracula. Harker becomes extremely nervous when all of the local peasants react in fear after they hear of his destination. Nevertheless, he continues on to the castle until he meets an emissary of the Count in the Borgo Pass. The mysterious coach driver continues on to the castle, arriving in pitch darkness to the accompaniment of howling wolves. Even though his accommodations are comfortable, Harker finds Count Dracula to be a pale, gaunt, thin man, rather strange, and Harker is mortified when after accidentally cutting himself shaving, the Count lunges at Harker's throat in demoniac fury. Harker soon finds himself imprisoned within the castle and assailed by three seductive female vampires whom he can barely stave off. Harker also discovers the Count's secret, that is the Count survives by drinking the blood of human beings, and now he is intent on killing Harker. The Count escapes Jonathan's attempt to kill him, and he swiftly leaves the castle with fifty boxes of earth bound for England. The last we hear of Jonathan Harker, he is weak and sick, left alone with no visible means of escape from the castle. The novel then shifts to England, where Harker's fiancée, Mina Murray, is visiting her friend Lucy Westerner, who has accepted the marriage proposal of Arthur Homewood, while rejecting the proposals of Dr. 
John Seward, head of a lunatic asylum, and Quincy Morris, an American from Texas, currently visiting Homewood. Mina's two main concerns are that Lucy has taken up her old habit of sleepwalking, and that it is a long time since she has heard from her own fiancé, Jonathan. One night while the two women are out walking, they witness the approach of a strange ship. When the ship is wrecked on the beach, the only creature which survives is a huge dog, which quickly disappears. We soon discover that the wrecked ship is carrying 50 boxes of earth from the castle of Dracula. Soon after the shipwreck, late one night, Mina discovers that Lucy is sleepwalking again. In her search, Mina discovers Lucy on the lady's favorite seat, near the graveyard overlooking the town. Mina is shocked to see hovering over Lucy a tall, thin, black shape, but when she arrives at Lucy's side the shape has disappeared. When awakened, Lucy remembers nothing of what has happened, except that she is chilled. In wrapping Lucy against the cold, Mina assumes that she inadvertently pricked Lucy with a pin, for she sees two tiny red marks on Lucy's neck. On later, successive nights, Lucy is often found standing at the women's bedroom window. Next to her is a creature which appears to be a large bird, but it is, in fact, a bat. Lucy's health declines over the next few weeks, and because of this Mina refuses to tell Lucy about Lucy's mother's sickness. Meanwhile, drive. Sword, Lucy's former suitor, is unable to ascertain the cause of Lucy's decline. Soon, Mina hears from Jonathan, and so she leaves Lucy and goes to nurse him. Almost immediately, Lucy's condition deteriorates, and Dr. Sulwood finds it necessarily to wire for his old friend and mentor, Drive. Abraham Van Helsing, who offers another medical opinion. Van Helsing is particularly disturbed by the two tiny spots on Lucy's throat and her apparent but unexplainable loss of blood since there are no signs of hemorrhage. It becomes necessary to give Lucy numerous blood transfusions, and after each one she improved significantly, only to deteriorate quickly in the next couple of days. Van Helsing finally deems it necessary to drape Lucy's room as well as her neck with garlic, a technique we learn later, which is used to ward off vampires. Eventually, however, the vampire manages to evade the spells against him, and he attacks Lucy again. One significant night, an escaped wolf is used to smash the window of Lucy's room. The wolf's attacks frightens Lucy's mother that she dies of shock, and Lucy, left helpless, is again attacked by the vampire. Van Helsing, knowing that Lucy is near death, summons her fiancé, Arthur Homewood, to her side. Homewood himself comes from the deathbed of his father. As Homewood bends to kiss Lucy goodbye, Lucy, whose canine teeth have become strangely lengthened, attempts to attack Arthur. As Van Helsing throws Arthur back from her, Lucy dies. After Lucy's death, the papers report the strange appearance of a person whom the village children label as the Blue for Lady, a creature who has been attacking young children in the area. Van Helsing, shaken by the report, summons Drive. Seward to attend him in an examination of Lucy's coffin. After Seward's initial shock, he agrees, albeit with reservations, to open Lucy's coffin. 
In the meantime, Mina and Jonathan have been married, and they return to England. Mina has transcribed Jonathan's diary of his journey in Transylvania, and soon afterward Van Helsing reads it. Van Helsing then calls all of Lucy's ex-suitors together, and he explains to them his belief that Lucy has been bitten by a vampire and has become one herself. The only way to save her soul, he says, is to drive a wooden stake through her heart, cut off her head and stuff it with garlic. Eventually Van Helsing convinces them of the truth of his claims, and the service is performed on Lucy. Now the protagonists begin a search from the Count and also for the fifty boxes of earth which he brought with him to England. These six people, Jonathan, Mina, Drive, Sulwood, Van Helsing, Homewood, and Quincy Morris, vow to confront the vampire. Soon after the search begins, Van Helsing realizes that a dreadful change is taking place in Mina. One horrific night, Van Helsing and Sulwood break into Mina's room, find Jonathan unconscious, and Mina being forced to suck blood from a deep slash across Dracula's chest. In a twinkling, Dracula disappears. They finally discover and destroy all of the fifty boxes except one, which they learn has been sent by ship back to Dracula's castle. Using various methods, including the hypnosis of Mina, they follow Dracula all the way to the Borgo Pass in Transylvania, where they find the last remaining box being transported to Castle Dracula by a group of gypsies. They overcome the gypsies, throw the box to the ground, tear open its lid, and discover the body of the Count. With a huge thrust, Jonathan cuts off the vampire's head, while Morris drives his knife into the Count's heart. The Count himself crumbles into dust, and Quincy Morris, having been wounded by the gypsies in an attempt to retrieve the box, dies of a mortal wound, and so the novel ends. Between the sexy vampires, heads being cut off, fangs growing, and mysterious castles I would say we know exactly what kind of drink we should be having. This tale promises a lot of suspense with a touch of sex appeal. I highly recommend watching Van Helsing starring Hugh Jackman. I feel that a few of the characters are represented well in this movie, particularly the three sexy vampires. It will give you a good visual before reading the novel should you choose to do so. As I opened my cupboard and grab a short glass, notice I said short glass, I felt a strong desire to pour myself a semi-smooth glass of American TX whiskey. It hails from Fort Worth, Texas. It promises a good finish but it is not going to be too classy to where you can't afford a bottle. Drinking a whiskey while reading this book should allow you to have that slight warm feeling giving you the sensation that you would be a ripe choice as one of Dracula's victims. I would also advise dropping one, maybe two, ice cubes in your drink to give it a chill and perhaps a splash of Diet Coke but no more than a shot worth. A slightly chilled semi-smooth clean whiskey to warm up the blood before tackling this novel should do the trick. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this short summary and would consider reaching out to me via social media for feedback. 
I am always looking for good drink combinations when reading new novels and any advice would be appreciated. I hope to bring you another monster novel very soon for episode 2 so stay tuned.